Welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, where our hearts are our masters. Your hosts are Nancy L. Hopkins and Walt Zilba. Producing the show is Colleen Kelly. The theme song is called Disturbance and is written and performed by Renate Jet and Jet Music. You are listening to Wolf Spirit Radio at wolfspiritradio.com. Emotionally undercover for a lover overdressed. The cycle is created long before you start to think that the blink is your decision what you do. No clue for the food fighter. Well, this, this, this bizarre, um, thing you're listening to is the Cosmic Reality Radio Show. It's December 8th, 2015. Um, oh, oh my God. Uh, Walt, are you there? Am I there? Yay! And apparently a successful, uh, beginning to the show, we hope. Wow. <laughs> Don't go away like, again. This is like when Dr. Frankenstein got the monster to walk. <laughs> How are you doing tonight, Walt? What do you have any idea what just went happened? I don't know. I I suspect that it was uh, Skype's doing because uh, remember we were briefly on Skype earlier. After we hung up, it it came up with a pop up. Oh, Skype wants to improve your experience, and I was asking Colleen, and she went through the same thing. I, I I'm thinking when that happens, you have to do a complete system reboot because I don't know what kind of settings or what kind of rewrites this thing does, but it, if you don't restart the whole system, it leaves you in, a, in an unpredictable state. Ah. <laughs> so that's what I think. Uh, uh, did you experience any any upgrade uh, today, Nancy? No, but I haven't been, I mean, it's well, it's no, no. Uh, the oh. computer was on and Skype was up, but I didn't see. I haven't seen an update thing come at me forever. Oh, so I don't know whether it's automatically being done and they're not even asking me. Well, I'm running Windows 10. You're running oh. Windows 8. Colleen is also running 8. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, we are here. <laughs> Another, uh, you know, technological, uh, what the heck just happened? <laughs> okay, so how you doing, Walt? How you doing, Colleen? Colleen says, oh, my God, I'm doing a little better now. <laughs> Oh, definitely. I've been having issues pretty much. My day started that way. I couldn't get, um, my browser would come up, but it wouldn't do anything. And my server, my stream server was down and I couldn't get anything on. So JP did Dolly's show for me and then everything I, and I rebooted like, I don't know, half a dozen times. Each machine, modem, router, everything, nothing. And then all of a sudden everything started working again. So, it's kind of been that way for me all day. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't been on all day, so I think I'm glad I haven't been on all day. We've been, uh, playing Shungite Store. Oh, Walt, I, I, I was freaking out because she's asking me for some more magnets, stock magnets. And I'm going like, yeah, yeah, What about yeah. the ones I sent? Well, you know, I got, I, I normally keep all this in my head, but for some reason, your package, I, I knew yesterday that there was another package coming. Today, I decided, no, there isn't another package coming. 
and that package already got here. But it was the last one before that. And it, anyway, your package is at the post office, but they just left the notice, and I was of course there today. But um, well, yeah, they, but uh, in in the box where the powder was, there were twenty masks, magnet. You did you did see there them, were? right? There were. Yeah, there were twenty masks. In, there's in twenty the- masks. Yeah, there's twenty masks. Then there's twenty. Um, what happens is that you order twenty masks and twenty fridge magnets, and I had some stock, but I miscounted on the fridge magnets. So I sent you twenty masks, ten fridge magnets, and then I I sent you a little box with twelve more fridge magnets. I think I think that's the box I got to pick up tomorrow. Anyway, we can yeah, it's, it's later. It's a fridge magnets. There should be twenty in the box where the powder went. Oh well, I didn't find them. I'll go look again. <laughs> they get confused because they're all black and they're about the same size. I'll, I'll look again. It might might be that they're in two. That you had them separated so well, I didn't I didn't see them. Anyway, we'll look at it. Uh, but anyway, sorry I brought that up because it was just it's it's like Stephanie now is going out and talking to people. Uh, well, what 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 happens is that. She gets invited to something and so she does a little talk or she does a little presentation. And she's been doing this for a little bit now and now people know who she is. So she has to take the entire Shungite collection with her where she goes because she never knows when somebody's going to say, I know you, I've been trying to find you, I need your Shungite. Um, like we say, if you get into the field of Shungite and it's something that resonates with you, then you want it and you want it right there. So, um, God bless her. We're getting a lot of shungite to people, um, you know, and and it's it's. I guess it's causing me a little problem. <laughs> I better start writing things down. <laughs> well, the, was there at least a packing slip in the box? Yes, and I didn't see it listed there. That's the first thing I looked at. So, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. Okay. I'm sure, I'm sure everything's coming. Everything is everything is good. <laughs> now that we're up on the radio. Um, Okay, so it is December 8th, 2015, and um, yesterday was December 7th, the day that will live in infamy. And um, yeah, another false flag. <laughs> it, was, oh. it wasn't exactly a false flag, but... Why, what did I do? Well, um, oh gosh, there's so many details of, uh, involving what happened. Um Roosevelt and the rest of the establishment uh, wanted to go to war to protect Britain, basically. Well, protect themselves, because, I mean, sooner or later, the Nazis were going to be here, uh, Germans. And um, so there was a tremendous backlash against going to war. I mean, he got elected, basically, because he hadn't gotten us in war, you know, re-elected. And it was, it was just... But they... Um, they had access to, to information that indicated that um, Pearl Harbor was definitely an attack point. And they did things like, um, they I don't remember the details, but they pulled out, there was enough, there was enough information. This one guy wrote a book, he was, he was super, super intelligent. And he wrote this book on Pearl Harbor. But being super intelligent, he just was like so difficult to read because he was so detailed. And, you know, you had to kind of like wade through it. So he was a difficult read and he never really took off the way I think he should have. But he absolutely proved to me that um, the Roosevelt knew about Pearl Harbor. 
before it happened and let it happen in order to um, enrage the United States citizens so that they would go to war. Like they pulled out, they pulled out equipment that would have seen this uh, happening. <clears throat> and um, anyway, but another false flag. But that was yesterday. Today is the eighth. Um, I did put up the other tones. Now, when we uh, first talked about tones a while back, we had put up some healing tones, and um, we had a muscle relaxer, and then we had uh, the Morgellons anti-Margellans disease one, and I think so, oh, the the uh, feline cat. And <clears throat> she, uh, she, he, uh, newbie, is listened to the tone innumerable times, whether or not it has worked for him, because he is HIV. I can't be sure, because he's also been shunguided up the gahuza. Um, but he's definitely doing very well. He used to get abscesses if he... A flea bit him, he'd get an abscess, and he hasn't had an abscess since he got on Shungite, so I don't know, you know, if the tone is helping, but he certainly is um, not exhibiting any HIV. Well, so his immune system appears to be waking up. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, someday when I've got some extra money and if I have to take him over there for some reason, because I kind of avoid the bets if I can, um, I'll have him tested again. I'll spend the money to have him tested again just to see if it shows up. But anyway, Walt at that time had given me a lot of other um, sounds. And for some reason, I kept procrastinating putting them up. I just never got it done. But I did get it done yesterday. And so there's a, uh, if you go to the cosmicreality.net in the home page, there's some buttons. And the buttons are right under the, uh, the ad for um, It's Your Life magazine, which I highly recommend that you uh, go and take a look at. Uh, I believe they've got another uh, edition out now, too. But, um, well, they've got a few because they were doing it before we got involved with them. But right under there, there's some buttons. And if you hit the healing tone one, you'll come to the uh, to the blog entry that's, ta- that's got all these sounds on it. So um, one of the sounds is abundance. And uh, explain the difference between abund- abundance with a V and abundance without it. I'm sorry? The abundance, you got two tones, abundance. One of them is, oh, is it phi or phi? It's phi, right? Oh, the uh, the one with the phi space. Oh, right. What right. it was is just, what it was is it, I, if it's just part of a, the reason I made them for you is that so you could, since you are an energy sensitive, uh, you would be able to report back what is it you were experiencing. What I'm doing here is the same, it's, it's something like, um, uh, uh, Dr. Jonathan Goldman did with his uh, tuning forks. He was here in Minneapolis several years ago, and he did a, a weekend workshop uh, on sound healing. It was called Sound Sation. And one of the things that he was selling uh, was a couple of tuning forks. They were two specific notes in such a way that the space between the two notes was the value of fee, or at least, as he put it, 99.9% the value of fee. So when you would strike, what is fee for us? Fee is the golden mean ratio, the value of 1.618, which is the, uh, the geometry of, of life itself. Whenever any system grows, plants, animals, whatever is alive and grows, it grows along the value of fee. If you were to take the length of your arm from the wrist to the elbow 
and divide it by the length of your hand from the wrist to the tip of the middle finger, you would get a value of 1.6. Your cells are growing following that math. Plants are growing following. That's why when a plant starts to grow, you'll see when the leaves begin to sprout from the stem, you'll see one leaf, next three leaves, next five leaves, next eight leaves. And if you do the math, eight divided by five, you get 1.6. So it is literally the geometry of life. So my what I did is I took the value of abundance, increased it by the value of five, and created a, a second tone. So I put one on each channel. I wanted to see what would happen if you're sitting in the in that space where your root sound is abundance. So I'm not making any claims that it'll make you fantastically rich. I'm just, <laughs> it was there for you to test. So you could give me some feedback. Well, now everybody that wants to go over there can hear it themselves. There's abundance. There's um, joy. There is... Um, let me just see here. Some, did I make these for you, or, there, or you made them with uh, Audacity? No, no, you made them and gave them to me quite a bit ago, but I never did quite Oh, okay. Quite get them up, as it were. And the reason that I put them up was because I want to talk a little bit about Sherry Edwards and the uh, the sound. So what did I finally end up calling them? Oh, gosh, I got so many files, and I don't know what the names of them mean. Okay, so we've got um, Joy's up there. The purple ray and the purple ray in the fee. Bye. Sorry. Trust and certainty is up there. Um, Anti-yeast is up there. Compassion. And then we have uh, Gaia's, uh, both in Gaia and Gaia fee. Um, and that's the new frequency of Gaia. And that comes from basically something that, that Walt learned but also Anelia Benz is talked about in um I don't see them in the list. What list? Oh there there it is. There. I'm, I was looking through the I was browsing through the list. There it is, I see it. Uh-huh. Okay, so anybody can go over there. And you will also find um cannabis. And cannabis is up there because of um our wanting to put that that energy out there as an energy to see um, if it if, just let us know what you think I don't think you're going to get high on it but I do think you might have um, uh, sensations of uh, you might have healing sensations for all I know because it's the little plant that can do everything now he also sent over to me DMT in, in both the fee and the DMT by itself and DMT is a naturally produced substance that you produce in your pineal gland and that plants and all the animals have it, all the plants have it, and those people that can get themselves enough DMT to take a trip with, the trip only lasts for five minutes. I think the longest trip anybody took was like 15 minutes, but it's like a short duration trip, but you feel like you're in it for hours, and you go to the etheric in exactly the same place apparently i've never i've never experienced it but this one guy was writing about it and he said i call it the dmt town because it always seems to be the same place that they they go when they take this so um again i'm not sure what will happen i wouldn't wouldn't listen to it while i was driving let me put it to you that way 
But oh, anyway. That's what they claim. Yeah. Oh, huh? sorry. Go ahead. I no, the, uh, I was going to say that in in Michael Harner's book, I mean, that was the that's one of the purposes of uh, those that do shamanic practices, the ones that take the ayahuasca. I mean, that's what I read, that uh, the ayahuasca induces that it, it causes the pineal gland to put out more of that hormone, and that's why you go into that altered state. But like oh, I said before in a previous show, is that I, I, I don't understand these people that say, that speak very trivially about taking ayahuasca, because I know from his book that it's a poison, and for you to do this trip with ayahuasca, somebody has to be standing by ready to administer <laughs> the antidote, but uh, no, I'm no expert, so... <laughs> Maybe somebody else. Well, I'd knows. rather take. I'd rather take a. You know, I'd rather take some DMT by itself rather than poison myself to get to that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, now we we talk about different. Well, I talk about cannabis and and especially on the book and in the website. You know that I am just so supportive of everything that this plant can do because well, the other day I I posted something in it. And it was plastic made out of ha- cannabis. And, you know, it's just like, th- there is so many good things about this. Yes, there is the, the, the high that some people get that can't, you know, they can't handle it. Um, but there's new ways of, um, getting in the medication. I don't know if we talked about this, but this one woman, um, she was, uh, l- uh her lungs were, she had, um, cancer of the lungs that was at, at stage four. And she had a, a, what did they call that? A PET scan, which I'm not exactly sure what that even is. But they, she was showing pictures of it, and you could see these these red. There was a big one in her lung, and then there was uh, like five other ones, smaller ones, clearly visible. And then she was given four to no longer than five months to live, or something. And they couldn't give her uh, radiation. That wasn't going to help that kind of cancer. And she wasn't supposed to, uh, well, she, there wasn't any chemotherapy that would really, ha- well, it, it would keep her alive for a little bit, but it wouldn't get rid of it. It would just keep her alive and, uh, for a couple of months and, and, you know, and, and in chemotherapy, that's not necessarily living. So she, uh, her daughter said, you know, I've heard this stuff about marijuana and maybe you should look into it. And so they did. And they finally got a hold of, um, medical marijuana that they then put in, were, were, Shown how to make it into an oil, but she couldn't handle the high. So they started, her and her husband start, and she had to get up to like one milligram of it or something. And she couldn't get, she didn't like the high. So, um, they started using suppositories, putting the oil in suppositories, but that wasn't working out really well. And she wasn't getting high on it, but she, it just wasn't working out. So they finally, took half uh, the one milligram and then they took one milligram of, of uh, coconut oil. And she said, then they, we used the back door <laughs> and they uh, used a syringe like a, a suppository uh, applicator. And after that, she was able to take in the entire dose that she was supposed to take. And it was like seven months later, they took another PET scan and there was no indication of any kind of a, a lung lesion at all, no cancer whatsoever so uh, it's, again it's another example of the medical miracles that you know cannabis does for people um, and and they're finding the people are finding 
out of the box ways of getting it in and not because she had to take see there's a lot of it that they take the THC which is the the component in marijuana that gives you the high they've been able to uh kind of like genetically get the THC out of the uh, marijuana so you get the other properties because there's like six different um properties within the marijuana itself that seem to be healing different things. So you need THC if you've got a lung problem, but you need something else if you got this. So you don't always need to be getting high off of this to be able to um, get the beneficial results. What the pharmacists, the, the pharmaceutical companies have done is to attempt to synthesize or and also to... Um, take these these different parts and just take them out is a drug kind of thing. But when you separate this particular component of the plant itself, it doesn't work. It's got to be within the energetic framework of the of the marijuana itself. Um, again, I consider this one of Gaia's gifts. It's a it's a truly amazing um medical miracle out there. Um I don't even know why I started talking about oh because we were talking about the DMT. The Hallucinogenics that have been, well, I mean, yes, there are horrendous things that have happened because people have taken all sorts of dirty hallucinogenics. But some of the pure, purer ones, like DMT, um, they just are giving your brain a new chemistry. And when you give it a new chemistry, you're giving it a new energetic configuration. And because you're in a new energetic configuration, then you can easily access the etheric. And that's all it's, it's doing. And they're actually finding now, or admitting to, that um, some people are beneficially, uh, have beneficial results from taking a hallucinogenic. Because it shows them, it opens up a new reality to them. One that is, um, when, 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 when you're in that new reality, like an etheric reality, fear doesn't seem to exist. I mean, have you ever been really fearful in a shamanic journey, Walt? Oh, no, quite the contrary. Remember that one that I I, I made two attempts, but I couldn't do it for this gentleman that uh, had like something, an entity like looked like a jinn that kept circling around him. Remember I described to you? Right that I saw like a tetrahedron type structure and or a triangle and inside the triangle was this man's name. And this entity just kept going back and forth and back and forth and his thing was to get to where the man was, but it seems like the man was being protected. And from his appearance I gathered that he was some kind of jinn and that's when I we had recently done that thing for the jinn and I said, Well you don't need to be here anymore, you know, your people are free, you can go. There's no nothing, no one compelling you to do anything to this man because your people are free, and that's how I got him to leave. But no, you don't experience fear. And think about um, if you just gather all the elements of the of the whole agenda of the the whole thing of domination and control on this world, and just Hit the pause button on a set for, on a, for a minute there on the on the hallucinogen, and just look at zoom back out and look at the bigger picture. Uh, for children in school, the first thing they they start doing is shutting down the uh, imagination, your power, 
of imagination because it is a power. And you are forced to accept the reality they feed you. And they feed you uh, a contrived reality where they are the winners. And you, you only exist to serve the system and your energy is harvested from you way past the age of, I mean, it's inconceivable that you see people retiring and yet they continue to work. It's like, you're like two hours away from being put in a coffin and going on the earth and you're still having to punch the clock. And, and that's forced on you. It's not even real reality. So these illnesses that people, that this is just my perception of it. I'm not saying it is what it is. It's my perception of it. The same way that for those people out there that understand plants and have cared for plants, that plants are sensitive to place and space. And my mom encounters that all the time. She'll have a, a plant that's doing great in a particular corner, regardless of light conditions, and then she moves it to another corner, the plant doesn't like it, and she starts to get sick, and she starts to get weak, and starts to wilt. Puts it back where it was, fine. (laughs) Not a question of water or amount of light. It's just that the plant grew to love whatever corner it was, for whatever reason. And the same goes, you see animals, when they've spent their life in a zoo, they don't have the same light in their eyes, as animals that are, have the chance to live free in the wild. So I think that by the same tokens, humans, without even being aware of it, uh, we are being forced into this cage, this contrived reality that's not of our choice, has been forced on us. So we get sick, we go, because we get sick because it is so unnatural to live this life where all you do is exist to serve a system. So you're given a, 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 a hallucinogen, or any other kind of consciousness-altering drug, which, by the way, is illegal. Why would it be illegal? Illegal because it weakens the system. Because by opening the the door of consciousness into another reality, maybe your own true reality, then you start to recover. You start realizing, oh, I have joy inside me. Oh, yeah, I have light inside me. Oh, yeah, I have love inside me. It's just that I'm, I'm so drowning in the system, I can't see it. So that consciousness-altering part of the plant is opening that door to your own healing. And that's why you heal. I don't, I'm not going to say the plant isn't working because that would be wrong because the person is taking it and they're seeing this result. So by law of cause and effect, you can very well say, yeah, this is actually helping. But why? Because you just said it. You know, the plant affects different things. Well, what if the plant is not affecting different things? Is that because the plant is opening the connection to yourself, your true self, then you start to heal wherever healing is needed in you. The system doesn't hurt us all in the same way because we're all different. And that's why some people die of heart disease, others die of cancer. It's just wherever you are weakest or whatever the part that affects you more, you know, that's the part you know, you just cave under the pressure of this terrible system. You, well, the, yeah, the other, yeah, the other thing that's wrong with the system is that, uh, and we're talking about standard medical system, is that each doctor only learns a particular slice of medicine. So, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're a heart doctor, well, then your problem's your heart. If you're a foot doctor, well, the heart problem's coming from your foot. I mean, to be absurd about it. 
but um, I can't remember what was just something very similar to that, and it, it was like the same old story again, where you know they're telling this person um, th- this terrible wound you have on your foot is caused because you've got that flesh-eating thing, right? And the guy was uh, a doctor that uh, his specialty was this these weird kind of infection things. So he's going to see is it is this infection that's this this flesh eating thing that can do such damage. My friend, the wife of this guy, says I think it's a spider bite, <laughs> right? Because she'd seen spider bites before, and she just felt that this was a spider bite that had gotten terribly infested. And so then, the doctor who is more of a generalist, he looks at it and he says. You know, I think it could be an insect bite. Now, they could see the truth. But the guy who was so specialized, he could only see what he thought he knew. And he couldn't see that it was a spider bite, which it was a spider bite. It wasn't any of this other stuff, you know. So that's a fallacy in the, in the, uh, in the medical profession, is that you're not seeing the whole human being as one entity that is also an energetic body entity. Um, which brings us back to the concept of um, Sherry Edwards and the sound healing. Uh, now, Sherry is somebody that has been on um, JP's show many times. And, in fact, we um, we have, uh, I'm thinking it's today or yesterday maybe, uh, Sherry comes on and does a, it's a recorded replay of, of her shows. Um, and she is just... Very interesting to listen to, but I had never really gone to her website or any of that to understand more fully what she was talking about. But there was a post by somebody who had written about her and talking about how the tone of your voice, the sound of your voice, um, is really a mathematical formulation. Again, it's energy. It can be um, put into graphs. And you can see all sorts of different things. And the more they analyze the voice and the, and the different sounds and the, the way that the sounds are put together, they have mathematical data now that is taking all these sounds and making them into math. So her concept is that, um, that math is, is the basic, is a basic way of looking at the body. And that if you listen to the voice and you get the, the math matrix, and this is, I'm just telling you in my words, um, if you get the math matrix of what the sound is, then you have a very clear way of knowing all sorts of, I mean, things that I wouldn't have, I think of until I started reading this. Um, what she's saying is that people that hold similar perceptions and psychologies, and those suffering from similar diseases, traumas, toxins, deficiency syndromes, all have similar, if not identical, what she calls biofrequency patterns. So if you build up enough of a database so that you know that this biofrequency pattern indicates the person is a, is a, uh, gee, a truther, you know, um, then you're going to know that person is a truther whether you've actually talked to them or not. All you have to do is analyze a segment of their their speaking and their voice. And that 
she got involved in uh, sound healing because apparently she could hear sounds that uh, as a kid that other people couldn't. But she worked for the Army in order to try to use this very technique to be able to, to determine uh, if somebody's got post-traumatic uh, traumatic stress uh, problems. I don't know. I didn't find anything that gave me a lot of information on that study, but it could be that it's classified. But that's one thing. The Army is already interested in, in this uh, concept of being able to determine, to diagnose somebody psychologically and from medical or physical ways um, by the, th- the sound of the voice. And so I'm going like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. And then the more I thought about it, the more frightening it became. Because how how hard would it be to just uh, take these tapes that NSA has been taking of us and say, well, let's see what Walt Silva really is all about and put your voice through this analytical uh, computer program and say, oh, my God, he walks on water. You know, and they might do me and say, "Uh oh, we better we better shut her down. She's kind of crazy. She's going to she's going to do anything she can to bring us down. If if they've got that ability to be able to do that, um, which based on what I'm reading from Sherry Edwards, it's like, yeah, 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 they that that's a very dangerous kind of concept. Um, I find it interesting that the DNA uh, can be well, the Russians have concluded that DNA is a, a, a biological Internet and that it can be reprogrammed by simply the human voice. So if you can, if you can reprogram DNA by the human voice, then it makes sense that your, your voice, depending on what it is doing, is giving you a reflection of the basic construct of your, your, your beingness. Now, if you've got that kind of information, how much farther does it take to think in terms of, well, what if you added sound itself to the equation? What happens then? Because if the voice is a sound mechanism that can be that capable of of expressing what's really happening with the body, then what happens when you add another sound? And that's where we get to these tones. That's why sound has been used for millennia all over the world as a way of healing in many modalities. Um, I highly recommend that you go and at least, if you haven't experienced the sounds, at least, you know, in Chrome you can um, down, I mean in Google, yeah, Chrome, you can download those um, MP3 segments into your computer. Uh, apparently uh, Firefox doesn't let you do that. But Chrome will let you download those. They're free. We're not charging you anything for it. We, you know, most of what we do is to try to find out something, <laughs> many things. So um, you can go to that those tones. You can download them um, and just experiment with them. One guy that wrote, he said, "Oh, these things really work." He also said that this that, that web our website was the best website on the internet. And he said, "I'm not kidding," and I happen to agree with him. But um, so just go look at that because it's all frequency. Everything is frequency. She talks about frequency. She talks about the math behind it and the algorithms and all the stuff that go into being able to determine. If you look closely enough at something that's an energetic field and then you put it into math, you can see it. You can chart it. You can look at it. And then you analyze it and you find out, well, this guy does have post-stress uh, 
syndrome. So um, that brings me to something that happened just this last week. Apparently, and I, I I've known about this, but not really given it. I haven't. I don't think I've talked about it before. Um, a frequency. You've got a frequency. A frequency, and you know this, Walt. Uh, that certain every everything has a frequency. Everything has a unique and specified frequency, including something like the flu virus. If they can take and add that frequency to the Wi-Fi system, they can irradiate all beings with a frequency of the flu. And last week. I don't talk to too many people, but Stephanie talks to a lot of people. When she's around, it's kind of annoying. Her phone never stops ringing. And she was talking to people up in New York and and a couple of other places, and an awful lot of people had come down with this flu, this 24-hour flu. And when they were talking about it, I suddenly got the feeling like, oh, this is artificial. And I said, that's artificial. She said, well, I think it is too. And it just so happens that everybody who she ran into was down with this flu thing or somebody with them. She started saying, you know anybody's got the flu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nobody that had shungite on came down with this flu. Now, that would be because the shungite is sort of hardwired to change toxins. So even the frequency of a toxin, I think, could be negated by shungite. And it's something else that we should look into. I mean, I don't know about you, but, well, I shouldn't even talk about me. Apparently, I don't get sick like other people do. And I, I, I always thought it was just like, you know, well, it's the way I think. Well, it may not be just the way I think. It may be something in my own body that says, no, don't get sick. Um, but I just, I know, I, I know that, that I've seen this happen where there's just this weird, all of a sudden people get sick and I'm getting this weird information. This goes back like, probably 15, 20 years, you know, that, you know, could this be a frequency? Is this is this what it is? It just was like, and uh, like I say, this just came up in the last, this last week. So uh, what do you want to say about that? What did you get out of that? Did you read much of that uh, information? I read the PDF that you sent me. Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? <clears throat> well, it all, it all meshes together because <clears throat> if you hear what Andrew Bartis has to say about uh, sacred geometry, and then you hear what Nassim Haramein has to say about sacred geometry, and you hear what Dave Winters has to say about sacred geometry, how the movement from one body to the next body follows the the phi curve, and how everything is, the the bodies in sacred frequency and sacred geometry Literally, uh, representations of vibration, representations of frequency. Are, when you say when you say body, are you talking about body? I'm talking about energy? geometric bodies. Okay, I'm talking but about the, ener- the energy bodies. No, I'm talking about in, in sacred geometry. When you look at geometric bodies, like a, an octahedron, okay, or or a, or, a, or a star tetrahedron, all of the geometric bodies that you see going from the basic one to the upper one. All of these are actually representations of a vibration. They're a representation of a specific frequency. As, if, as it goes, as the frequency keeps going up, the complexity of the geometry goes up. So it follows to reason then 
one of the one of the things about human voice for those that have studied music is that human voice is actually a compendium of frequencies. Human voice tends to generate what would be called a more like square waves because it's full of harmonics. So it makes perfect sense that whatever, if there is any kind of distortion in the body or just the normal condition of the body, it would be represented as a kind of frequency. Now, what mechanism does uh, a humanoid body have to generate frequencies? Well, number one, the voice. It has the ability, you know, the, the human the human has what's known as the voice box. It's what allows you to control air and modulate and have your vocal cords vibrate at specific frequencies and you're generating the sound. So essentially you are expressing your geometry through the frequencies in the voice. So it makes perfect sense that with the use of technology, uh, this lady would be able to record these, process them and analyze the math because the math is simply giving you that geometry. And therefore it's showing you, you know, yeah, this is an excess or this is lacking or this is, you know, this is showing this kind of distortion or that kind of distortion because essentially it's an expression of you're expressing your geometry. Now take it a step further. <clears throat> if we're talking, if you're talking about sound and illnesses, like for example, this, this 24 hour flu that you said, you know, the people were getting. You've already, we've already spoken about this in other shows when you spoke about the, uh, uh, the, this, you, you quoted his name, the name of this, uh, German officer or, or some, you know, German guy in authority who was the one who made the decision to change the pitch from 432 to 440. So. It was Goebbels. I, I believe it was Goebbels. Well. The head of the propaganda. Okay. So here you go. For for decades now, people are being showered by incorrect sound. Instead of music coming at you in its pure natural biological vibration, which is 432, is being piped at you at this incorrect bass frequency. So how do you know that this is not contributing to making you ill? I mean, I worked in a company for nine years and... I, I loved it when I was inside the the office because I didn't have to put up with the music. But listening to pipe music eight hours a day from six to seven days a week, it just gets on your nerves. You, I mean, you, you go to sleep and you're dreaming of the stupid music. So, so <laughs> if that's not... Uh, 440 music, it's almost like this sound equivalent of chemtrails. <laughs> you know, they say chemtrails are pouring out all this poison. Well, that's chemical poisons, right? Uh, well, incorrectly tuned music, it's like sound poison. And then you wonder, you know, why people are coming down with this or that. Well, the, the very sounds that are being, you go to, you go to the supermarket, they're playing some music and the music, you, you go to shops, you, so many businesses have this pipe music now, and you it's subliminal. You're not aware that you're being showered by this sound all day long. And then you wonder why you get you get sick. And then people that spend a lot of time in the country where they and they don't and they're not hooked to the cell phone computer technology, they don't have they're not exposed to the constant barrage of you know, incorrect music, so to speak. So well, they, yeah, they, they, 
way back when I made the nectar, which was, you know, uh, a composite of all sorts of different, it was like 21 different gem and minerals that were mixed together and then put in a sacred place with a magical wand in them and out came nectar, which was just a magical, uh, I think it was probably similar to Shanghai looking back. Um, but it would, if you took a, a drop of the nectar and you put it into like um, perfume, it would it would mm-hmm. totally change. It would totally change the perfume. It would just be different. So my partner goes and gets with some guy that his job was to work with music in in malls in order to determine what the sound, what kind of music made people want to buy more. They had to be able to uh, have desire to buy more, but more importantly than even buy, it was to give them strength <laughs> so they wouldn't get tired out and leave. Oh, <laughs> God. It was one of the goals, right? So my partner was a real talker, and he uh, he convinces this guy that, well, the guy said um, that they wanted to do the same thing with smells, to, to pipe in, and they were doing it, but they didn't really, they, they they really didn't understand uh, enough to be able to completely, you know, figure out what what smells and stuff were supposed to be used. So um, my partner claimed that, oh, well, we can fix this. We'll give you something that will do this, this. Just tell us what you want to do. And then he brings uh, uh, samples of what they're using. And he says, we somehow got uh, to get these. And he had, he had like, um, one of them was to be directed at men. I remember this. One of them was directed at men. Um, I don't remember what what we were supposed to do with it, but it was specifically for men to make them to um, to, to sort of make them focus on being manly, so that they could sell more men stuff. I mean, this is how complicated it was getting. And um, so we had these different vials, and we had the nectar and stuff. And this this friggin' idiot, instead of taking a little bit out of each vial. And doing the testing, he just dropped a thing of, of the nectar in these things. And myself and his wife proceeded to get drunk. I mean, we're smelling these things, and I'm, I'm going like, I feel like I've been drinking alcohol. And she goes, oh, really? Me too. We, we virtually <laughs> got drunk on the smell. And I mean, completely destroyed the experiment. But in my mind, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wanted to participate in that anyway. But um, yes, even smell, which is actually an energy form, you know, uh, you can set different frequencies. So there, there's all sorts of ways of of actually manipulating ourselves or somebody manipulating us um, by simply environmental changes. Such as lights. I mean, they were into the lighting too, and you know this if you ever worked in a mall. Um, we're at the top of the hour. All righty, we are back. Uh, sorry, I went over to chat and was giggling. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, chatters. <laughs> Looks like you're having fun, and that's all we care about is that we're having fun and learning a little and sharing the love. We're back. Radio, cosmic reality type. Walt, you with us? Yep. Excellent. So, okay, so I talked about what I want to talk about. What do you want to talk about? Colleen, you got something to talk about? <laughs> well, what, what have you been doing shamanically? I used to get on 
with Walt, oh, for two hours, a uh, couple times a week, and ever since this rush of Christmas stuff is happening, um, I hardly ever talk to him except on radio. Yeah. What's been happening? What do you, you can you share any of your shamanic, uh, excitement and, um, knowledge? Well, I don't know, um, well, the, the ones for the pe- people, no, because, you know, those are personal. Those have to do, uh, you know, with a particular person. The, uh, the one that we shared was the one that we spoke about with JP this last Sunday. Yeah. That the was So yeah. I don't know if any of that will come to light. But I um, it was a uh, last night when I was meditating. Uh, I was making a request because remember that um, Simon Parks said that the uh, the Archon Grid is formed and sustained by a transmission from Saturn, and that the relay station on the other side of the moon is offline. That's why the grid is weakened. And there's areas where there's holes. And for some reason, I was remembering the technology that I saw where Dave is. And I'm thinking, well, what would happen if the same signal that's creating and sustaining the grid were the same signal that would shut it down? So I, I requested that that transmission be changed into adamantine particles. So then the transmission itself would be responsible for erasing the grid. So and then I asked with the pendulum if Gaia wanted this. And she said, yes. I, I said, I asked, do you derive any benefit from the presence of this grid? And I got a no response. So I remember making a, a request in my name and the name of Gaia that that transmission be transmuted into adamantine particles. So then the grid would be dissolved. So I don't know if it why don't you why don't you explain the adamantine particles? Well, those are it's the only way to ex- explain it. It's it's uh it's it's particles. It's like microscopic diamonds. So that's why they call it adamantine, and it's uh it's divine energy itself. They're very well explained and documented in the book uh, Christ Consciousness by uh, Norman Paulson. Who uh, he's still alive, and uh, he was a disciple of Yogananda, and he explained uh, his experience when he was confronted by those negative, uh, dark, etheric entities, and that's how he was able to dissolve them. He just projected adamantine particles out of his eyes because our eyes have a visual ray. Uh, you're not aware of it, but your eyes are constantly putting out a ray of energy. So he just used the eyes as carriers. And the entities just, they went up and spoke. They could not tolerate that because it is particles of divine energy itself. So I figured, well, why not? Let's, energy can be transmuted. Magic is just a manipulation of energy. Let's transmute the transmission. <laughs> now, this is an example of um, one human being imagining what could be done. The reality is, is he could never do this without Guy's permission. Correct. It just wouldn't work. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> you know. um, so, but Guy won't do it without him. And this is this is really this is a strange thing. I, I talked about. I think. Oh, I don't know if I talked about it or not. Um, I was thinking about. I was. 
something I was listening to, probably Simon, it was Simon, I think, and he was talking about the free will, that this is a free will uh, environment. You have to have, you have to, to acknowledge free will. Well, way back when I had certain situation occur where I've talked about before, but it became clear to me that the prime directive is that they talk about in Star Trek, that you can't muck around with somebody else's civilization without that civilization asking you to. Um, you can't do it. You can't do it without permission or being called in to do so. And when this was presented, this knowledge was presented to me, I said, so it would only take one human being to ask for help, and it would it would be delivered? And they said, yes, only one human being that got to the to that level of understanding that could ask for for help, yes, we would have to um, honor that. So what's happening is that Gaia, being a uh, conscious entity, a sentient being, who would have to be working under the same laws, in my opinion. So Gaia herself, having even created humanity, would not be able to interfere in humanity's development because of the prime directive, unless asked. So I think that's why we, we talk about we have to have a human being's thought process in to manifest anything. The quantum physicists are telling us that. If you don't have a human thought involved in it, it ain't going to happen. So, and it's the same thing with Gaia. Gaia can do all of this stuff by herself, but she can't because of the prime directive. She can't muck unless somebody of a human stature says, you know, I think we should try this. And she'll go, oh, thank you. <laughs> I'd love to see this. But I think that might be what's, um, what's resulting in, in our development. And I'm talking about you and me and anybody else that is, is, is attempting through their own thoughts to make differences just because of their own thoughts. It's not your own thoughts. I mean, I think I do believe that your own thoughts can create a, a tremendous amount of things. But when you get really fancy like adamantine, make it an adamantine uh, signal, that that requires something more than humanity at this point. Um, but that Gaia has got that power. But she can't use it unless some human being becomes very ingenious like Walt does and says... Oh, you think we should try this? Oh, yes, please do. So what I'm saying here is, um, and Simon actually said the same thing, you know, whether it's an archangel or a djinn or uh, your guardian angel or even a um, uh, an elf in your garden, if you don't ask them for help, they're not going to help you. You've got to give them permission. you got to ask them in. So what else, Alt? <laughs> <laughs> What else? Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, what have you been involved with? We haven't spoken in such a long while. You must have been busy doing something. Yeah, I'm making bracelets and earrings and packaging nuggets and trying to find <laughs> out why 20 pounds of shungite got sent to my local post office, then was sent back because the address was unknown. And I've lived here for 30 years. And they have Your not... Address? Your own address wasn't known? 
that's what they said. Now, the problem I have is that they're tracking the tracking number, and it doesn't really show you what the address says on it. And so I'm not sure that they put the right street address. All they would have had to have done is make a digit mistake, and it could have confused them. Because I'm in that post office all the time. You know, I mean, it's like... It, it, well, it's weird that uh, when I use the um, uh, the USPS website to ship right. to you, right. um, there are fields that as you enter the address, for example, the... The address, uh, when you, when you enter the person's, uh, the destination address, when you get to the zip code, for example, the system will automatically introduce the four digit suffix to this zip code based on the address that you've entered. Right. But other, sometimes given the address, other fields will be automatically entered and yours is one of those. When I enter you at your address, it doesn't let me immediately put in Miami. It jumps. As soon as I put the address and I hit, you know, tab to move to the next field, it automatically fills in and it says Barry University. And I have to delete that and put Miami. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, so Barry, is, Barry is quite a ways for me. It's, you know, quite a ways for me. But uh, this is coming from Czechoslovakia. And when I get the package, um, it's handwritten. The address is handwritten. Uh, you know, so, um, God only knows what they might have put there. So I don't, I can't really blame my own post office because I don't know what they really put on that box. But oh, they automatically yeah. sent it back. And you can see the tracking numbers got it in Prague, Prague, but, um, the, my, the vendor there is saying the post office claims it's not here. So I don't know, I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> it's like, okay. But what it did is it forced me, to um because it was taking so long to get here to begin with um it forced me to go to another vendor a vendor I'd used to begin with but he was much more expensive than anybody else and i think that he may have gotten the idea that um i didn't want to deal with him because he was too expensive because he uh -huh. obviously knew he was but i went back to him and um he basically said okay you pay the prices that I've got up, but I'll throw five more, or was, was it, it was, uh, well, it was, uh, two more kilograms of merchandise in it. And that would make it equivalent to everybody else. So I don't know why he did that. But then on his own money, he sent it DHL. And in five oh. days versus five weeks, I had that package. And that taught me something. It's like, okay, so, now when I order from him, and he's now become my primary, Czechoslovakia had been, but he's my primary now, um, we always go DHL. Because the, the going through the postal systems of this international is crapshoot. Oh. Sometimes the boxes get to me and it's like, I mean, I've lost things in boxes. I know that. But, you know, I'm going like, how did it, how did it actually get here in this state? You know, nuggets falling out of it and, you know. <laughs> so it's uh yeah but that's what i've been doing I, i've been going from from you know because we had to uh we, we have to we have to re-up because of the fact that we're 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 selling a lot but also um to make sure that we've got it in case things get even crazier and you're not allowed to break on any of those bricks you have on the around the property you can't break them for nuggets and pendants 
what do you mean? The powder, but you try to break those things, and I'm sorry. It don't break. I've taken sledgehammers to them. <laughs> Boing! They bounce. No, it's very difficult to... No, you can't use a sledgehammer. You have to use chisels. Well, I didn't... Yeah, I do have chisels. Because the, uh, it, it, uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't break like a, like a sugar cube. It breaks along the planes. Because remember the, the Shanghai, the way it, it lays like layers. Yeah. So that's the way it breaks. So you gotta use a chisel and hit those weak spots. Especially look for the pyrite veins. It breaks along those veins. Well, let me tell, let me tell a story about breaking of the, the bricks. Um, some of you people that are real good fan, fans have probably heard this story before, and, and I really should have written it all down. You think when these things are happening, you're going to stick in your head completely, but, you know, after time, it doesn't take, you know, you lose some of the details. But what happened was we could not get shipments in. It was, it was t- well, I didn't anticipate that the, the shipping was going to take that long when I started up the store. So I quickly ran through what I had, and I had orders in, but it was taking much longer. And the order that came in was all these big bricks, five pounders. <laughs> what the hell? This is not what I need. I need pendant size. I need nugget size. I got these. What are these good for? So Stephanie and I decided that we would just break them. Okay. So we, but it's Shanghai, and we consider it a sacred gift. So you know, it's like, well, if we're going to do this, then we're going to um, go out to the Merkaba, and we're going into sacred space. And we will do this with a sacred attitude. And another friend of ours who is not as Save metaphysically, she's sort of knows Shungite, but that's about the closest she's ever got to real metaphysical thought. Um, she was there. So I go out there and um, what what happened was that we were sort of hanging around talking and I, I decided that I would... Um, scan what was happening outside and I said, Oh my gosh, I said, Jack is out there. Now Jack is a is a spiritual being, but he's also a live horse. Um he lives up in Pennsylvania and he does. He bilocates. He shows up here quite often in other places. But um Jack was in the yard and I went, gee, Jack is in the yard. We might you know, it's, it seems like other people are understanding what we're going to do, so let's get on out there. So we go out there and as I'm Walking up to the Merkaba, I put my hand on Jack's muzzle. Now, he's etheric. You have to second sight him. It's not going to look physical to most people. And Stephanie's behind me, and she goes, oh, I see him. I see him. <laughs> so we get the, the Merkaba is, um, is sacred space. I'm not going to get into all that it is. But I was, uh, and we've got a small tetrahedon pyramid. So I set it up, and I put down a concrete block. Um, and I put the shungite on it. It's wrapped in a terry cloth kind of uh, cloth, and it's a it's it's a large piece. It was probably at least uh, three and a half four pounds of of shungite, and I've got like a ten pound hand mallet, steel mallet, and I wrap it up and I smack it. I mean, I, I smack it good, right? And I open it up and I, I'm like stunned. I'm going like, what the hell? Because it was like. Okay, the, the piece of brick was, was, was rather long, um, compared to its width. And only the end, three slices, and it was like somebody had cut a slice of bread. Three slices. They were all equidistant, Walt. I mean, they, they were all the same thickness. And there's just three of them there. And I'm going like, what? 
this isn't what I thought was going to happen. So I wrap it up again, and I hit it again. And same thing, three more slices. And I'm going like, now I'm getting a little bit irritated with it, right? And so I, I well, the, the first time I whacked it, the energy that came off of the shungite was so intense that it, I was on my knees, and it actually threw me back on my fanny. That's how the, 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 the shungite energy blast, okay? And I said to uh, Steph, I said, do you feel that? And she looked at me and she said, oh, I felt that. And I look at Nicole and I said, did you feel that? And she shakes her head, yes. I said, are you shaking your head, yes, because you actually felt it? And she goes, yes, yes, I felt it. So then I hit it the second time and, again, another blast of shungite. I didn't even bother asking them at that time, but Nicole told me after the fact that the second hit was much more intense for her. And this is somebody that's not, you know, really energy sensitive. So by now I'm getting kind of angry and I'm not very sacred at this point. I'm trying to break this rock. So I wrap up the rock again. And this time, I mean, I haul off and I smack this sucker. And I open it up three more slices. And Nicole says to me, Nancy, you're bleeding. And I, I said, I what? And I look at my hand and from my index finger on my right hand, there is a pool of a stream of blood that's 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 way past my wrist already, and I'm looking at this blood and I'm going like, "Wow, that's the best looking blood I've ever seen." <laughs> that was my reaction because it was it was such a dark red. It was like the best looking blood I've ever seen, and I'm like looking at this thing and it's like, I mean, the stream is. And so for some, I just get the instinct and I put it over the, the shungite. So now I'm bleeding on the shungite. And Stephanie goes, do you have any idea what's happening? And I went, no, what? Because now I'm like not sacred at all. <laughs> I'm just pissed. Now I'm bleeding and I've only got <laughs> these nine pieces of, of shungite, right? And this, this brick has hardly been hurt. So she says, well, Nance, look at it. And I looked at it and I said, yeah, so. And she said, does that look like a loaf of bre- bread with the slices out of it? And now you're bleeding on the thing. Don't you think something like the reenactment of the, the Last Supper is happening? And I went, no, never occurred to me. <laughs> that wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of that. And she said, well, I think maybe that is. And I said, why? And she said, well, because the Pope was standing next to Jack, and I said, the Pope was standing next to Jack, and she said, yeah, he still is, because Jack is behind me. And uh, I said, so the Pope is with Jack, and she said, yes, I didn't even bother to turn around at that point. And I went, oh, okay. Now, this is the first time in any metaphysical ceremony event happening that I've ever occurred where any kind of... uh religion other than you know just total mysticism ever entered the picture and um so anyway i finally got up i didn't see no pope i saw jack but i didn't see the pope and i go in the house and i try to clean up my hand and um that cut which was impossible to figure out what happened initially i'm going like how could that possibly have happened i didn't feel it i didn't hit anything why why am i bleeding you know, so I'm washing it off, and it's a really deep cut. I mean, it was nasty, and but it stopped bleeding right away. And then I'm looking at it, and virtually as I'm looking at it, the dang thing started to kind of like heal. And I'm going like, oh, well, this is interesting. So I go back out there, and I'm trying to talk to the girls and find out exactly what it is that they saw, and you know, figure it all out. 
And Nicole says to me, there's a piece of a shungite there. And I, I look and, I, and she says, it's right next to you. And I said, I don't see any piece of shungite. And she said, I'm telling you, this piece. she said, never mind. She comes over and she reaches down. She picks up this piece of shungite. And the only thing I could imagine was that one little teeny piece of shungite somehow got out of that cloth and nicked that finger. So the next day, I never take a picture of anything that's happening metaphysically because you lock it in time. If you change timelines, you might lose it. So if you don't take a picture of it and freeze it in 3D matter, um, it will travel wherever you go. You'll always have that, that event in any timeline you're on. So, But the next day, when it's all settled down, I go out and I take a picture of exactly how everything is laid out. And I sent it to Stephanie, and Jordan saw it, her eight-year-old daughter. And Jordan says, hey, Mom, look at that. And she says, look at what? Look at the picture. And so Steph's looking at it. She says, you see Jesus? And all of a sudden, Steffi sees in this rock the image of Jesus. But it wasn't just the image of Jesus. It was the image from the Shroud of Turin. And you couldn't see it in the rock. I mean, when I went back out there, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going like, I hadn't moved anything. And I'm going like, I still don't see it. But clearly in that picture is an image of the face of the Shroud of Turin. And Jordan did not know that. She had not read my book where I talked so, um, you know, so much about the Shroud of Turin. So um, in my opinion, Walt, <laughs> it's very difficult to, to break Shanghai. But it does have a plane. It's sliced. It didn't shatter. It's, it's, it's like layer, just like we said, it's like layers of onion. Oh, well, you just didn't talk to it proper. <laughs> that might be true, too. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you talk to the stones and know what, what you want, I mean, it'll do it. I mean, look at me by now. I'm making powder. I'm having to shape some of the pieces, you know, crack them. I, I don't have issues because, I'm, you know, you extend, you, you put yourself in the stone and you let it know, that, you know, this is what I need. And it just wants to serve. Like in, uh, and you've heard me talk about human design in the past and, uh, in their system, inanimate objects like, like minerals and gems, they only have one gate and it's the gate of unconditional love to humanity. They, they exist to serve. It's just humanity that's so backwards and ignorant and asleep that they abuse things and destroy them. But in reality, everything is, you, you know, just wants to serve. So if you if you talk to the stone, I mean you should see the the shungite that uh, I used to make the powder. It's beginning look, to look like a sculpture because all the different faces are being filed down smooth. So it's beginning to take a shape. It's beginning to look like a sculpture. <laughs> well, who was it that said that that when they went to sculpt something, they just saw what was in the rock and took the stuff off that was? Yeah, Michelangelo. Michelangelo. They just took what didn't belong. The statue was already inside the block of marble, and he just took out what didn't belong. Right. <laughs> so what about that other story that you didn't have a chance to tell me because you were expecting company? Can you talk about it? The, that you said on an email that the gin were bugging you about something about the radiation and the ocean? Yeah, the, well, I, like I say, I've been very busy. And 
so the gin started, you know, telling me that, that, you know, that, well, they, 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 they sort of send me these little messages, you know, it's like, you know, we miss you, you're not playing with us, and I'm telling them, I'm really busy, it's not that I don't love you, I'm just really busy. <laughs> but we got, you know, and, and, and it was like, I just, I really, I didn't want to focus in on them because I was like, doing something. Every time I was trying to do something and got a little bit meditative, they'd show up and I'm going like, I gotta do this. You know, I, you know, give me <laughs> first of the year, we'll, we'll play some more. Now, Stephanie has another attitude altogether. She talks to them all day long. Um, you know, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? But I don't really have anything that they can do unless they can make bracelets. And maybe they can. Maybe they should. <laughs> so, um, yes, I was, I was not being very, um, receptive. Let's put it that way. So I have a chair that I always sit in. It, it's, you know, yes, sometimes it gets cluttered and you can't figure out what's around it because it's got all these different things, but I had had company. <laughs> So everything had been cleaned, everything had been touched, everything was nice, right? And I look, I, I look down next to the phone and there's this weird thing. And I'm going, what is that? And I pick it up and you know how you got a door and, and where the, the, like the tongue comes out and then, then goes into the slot that keeps the door shut? And what? there's this, this metal, thing that goes on the door that's, you know, long and, and very, fairly, fairly narrow. Well, it's, it's sitting there and it's got a screw on it like it's come out of a door. I've never seen it before. I don't know what it was doing there. And I'm going like, what the? And as soon as I started out, I said, Jen, what is this? What, what, what is this? And I get, you gotta fix it. And I'm going, I gotta fix a door? What, what is this? And that you gotta fix it. So I realized that they had something that needed fixing. And now I start to, okay, all right, what, what, what do you need? What is, what's happening? And I, I got nothing. It was very, it was almost like, I just didn't get anything clear, okay, uh, from them, directly from them. And then, um, so I said, okay, all right, I'm putting it out to the universe here, Gaia. Let me know what it is the jinn are trying to tell me. And then, um, the next time I went on the computer, I opened it up in Facebook, and boom, here it is. This whole, um, I'm trying to think of who put it out there. I'm not even sure who it was, but it was on um, on the Japanese uh, radiation in the Pacific. And I'm going like, oh, oh. And, I ha- and I, it, it sort of made sense to me that I was being very hesitant, because on some level I probably knew that this had to be de- dealt with, and I really, every time I think about it, it's so horrendous and so awful, I don't even want to play with it. So, yes, we have to go um, take a journey uh, with the gin to try to stop this. Uh, and it's, a th- it's the old reality. Again, it's the old reality. It's not happening on our reality. And that's kind of difficult for most people to understand. Um, but I think I, I think I can see it. And um, I don't like to go into the old reality, but I guess I need to because the gin are... are Semi freaking out about the whole situation, so um, it's got to be dealt with. So then, so I see this, and then I was reading. Um, well, what gym? happened was then. Then I, huh? No, it's just just a quick question. Please don't forget where you were, but I needed to ask you this: Are they able to grab onto and use the energy of the Shanghai grid? 
the thing that's bouncing around all the satellites? Um, I'm not sure. I I I, I really am not sure. It, it's something. It's something we gotta we gotta figure out. We were gonna try to do this before, but we just ran out of time before this show, because we had hoped to be able to say, "Well, we fixed that too." But um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It, it's because if they can grab onto and manipulate energy, the, the, the Jinn are not gonna do that. That's not. Huh. That's what we do. That's our story. That's not the Jinn story. Oh, and okay. apparently, apparently, when the jin, when the Jinn come and and actually ask. For help, it's a witnessing thing. You know, it's again, it's bringing in humanity to work with them, to work with Gaia, to make a major change. And the only way that we can do this is the concept of free will. Yes, we want to do this. The jinn understand it. The jinn are seeing the danger. I'm ignoring it. Um, knock, 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 knock. Come on, I'm gonna, we're gonna throw this thing at you. You've gotta, you've gotta help us because we are trying to help humanity. And the only way that humanity is going to fix this is by Gaia's good graciousness to assist us in doing this. But if we don't look at it, it's, you know, so I will take blame for having, you know, actually not not really wanted this assignment, apparently. Um, but then, right after that, um, there was that bizarre um, thing with um, uh, Ben. Ben, um, uh Fulford. Fulford. Yeah, when he, 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 and so you've read it, I read most of it. Can you just give a, an idea to the audience as to what he was saying? Cause it was pretty freaky. Well, if, if I'm understanding it correctly, because I, I'm, I kind of tune off when I'm reading something that's written in legalese, because I, I, to me, legalese is nothing else than bumble jumble designed to. <laughs> Designed to trap people and fool people because it, it reads like a VCR programming instructions. But uh, f- from what I read, uh, the name that he quotes in the article, that man that's arrested in the UK, the reason he's arrested and being accused of a bomb hoax is because he went to the authorities to warn about these uh, warheads. He explains how a Russian submarine had been sunk and they did it on purpose so that they could steal the warheads from the submarine and he they stole f- five warheads and they couldn't just be transported from where they were retrieved straight to Japan. These things actually took quite a, a journey to get there, and this was a, a years long, years long preparations because according to him, the Japanese with their nuclear power, they, uh, were, uh, very close to becoming energy independent because so far Japan has been a slave to the petrodollar and to petroleum. So with their nuclear power, they, they there was a risk that they could lose control over Japan because now the Japanese are going to be energy independent. So that's why they were warned, and uh, that's why the nuclear plants were destroyed in order to for these people to lose their independence. And they they threatened with a tsunami-like event, and uh, when Japanese didn't keep heed or you know obey their commands, that's why they went ahead and they did this monstrosity of creating this tsunami, 
with the nuclear warheads. Because according to Fulford, you know, these things went from here to here and they went to like different islands and they switched ships at one point. They were being transported on, on aboard a, a private uh, yacht and from there they were transferred. So when these things made it to Japan, he says there, there's records, public records of uh, a Japanese uh, ocean drilling ship doing work in that part of the ocean prior to the tsunami event. And what they had done is that they had the, he claims that the engineers doing this work were not aware of what they were doing. They were just being told to do it. They were drilling into the ocean bed, and uh, apparently the explosive material of the warheads had actually been broken up into smaller pieces so that it could be delivered down the diameter of the, the drill. So I don't know how many holes it must have made, but the end result was that when these things were detonated, it created this, you know, gigantic tsunami that went through and destroyed so much property and people lost, you know, everything, including their lives. So that's why the, he quotes this man, because he went to the authorities in, in Europe saying about the presence of these nukes, but he says that they always use the same tactic. When it's just one single individual raising the alarm, instead of doing something about it, they discredit the individual. They literally sent this man to a psychiatric hospital and kept him drugged so he would shut the hell up. <laughs> and he did something. He he threatened them with some information that if they didn't release this man, he was going to make some information public. So they listened to him. Uh, the man was uh, released from the hospital, but he's unable to leave the country. He's got no documentation, no passport. So that's what he he was talking about. But this whole thing... With the tsunami and everything, it's all part of the the old cabal's manipulation to stay in power another century, and it's all crumbling around them. I now, actually, I had actually heard that um, it was probably nukes delivered by this drilling ship. I forget what the name of the drilling ship was, and yeah. I had also um, heard of the missing nukes that um, and and part of the. They could when I when I was up on it and studying it, it, they could trace it certain to a certain place, but the details that Ben had were um, much more extensive than what I had heard. But anyway, yeah. it was it was another connection to the Japanese situation because of course, it's the Japanese nuclear plants that are still irradiating the Pacific. Well, the thing is that. Uh, which is which is worse? Is it the the plants that are putting out radiation, or was it the nukes that were detonated at the bottom of the ocean? I don't neither, know. Neither one of is is very you know admirable because <laughs> I mean, we don't need any it? of it. Um, but anyway, that seems to be the assignment. So for anybody listening to us, um, you're just as much a representative of humanity as Walt and I am. You can because um, you know. Uh, when Karen came on on Sunday's program, she, her question to us was that um, she hears Walt and I say certain things, and then she hears Simon say certain things, and it may they may not they may seem to be different. Um, and I pointed to uh, CERN, and I said, "Well, Walt did a, a, a journey and got hijacked, and he actually uh, shut down with um, guys." power and permission, all of the Stargates, and CERN in particular, 
um, was put in the hands of Gaia. If anything, you know that it's to you know that it's Gaia could stop it if they were going to do something she didn't want. That Gaia had humanity's permission because we're asking her, please help us, because she's under the free will constraints. Um, we're asking, please help us, and so we we knew that CERN was not going to get, ever get online. I mean, I, I never was fearful of it once Walt did this. Simon, on the meantime, he puts together, um, I don't know how many, 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 I, mean, I, I don't know how many people he had doing the meditation. As they were scheduled to go online, um, he had scheduled the meditation. But CERN knew that somebody was going to do this, and so they actually attempted to turn it on before the scheduled turn-on, and uh, it failed. So then at the time they would have supposedly done the first one, they tried to put it up again, and it failed again. But it failed in as the meditation group started doing their thing. And so uh, Simon said, well, we shut them down because we did this meditation thing. And Karen's problem is is that, well, he's saying he did it, and you're saying you did it. And I said, to her it's it's a complicated kind of scenario whereas yes i have no doubt that walt did this and that it was okay ever after that but perhaps it would not have been okay if simon didn't do the same thing we don't and time remember time doesn't exist so it's all people working together it's all these little groups of people working together doing what they know what to do in order to stop a lot of this stuff. And is one more powerful than the other? Maybe, but maybe they're only powerful than the other because the other is there, and without them, they may not have the power to be able to do it. It's a concerted, co-creative kind of situation, and that's why I say to anybody out there, if you really want to take a dive into the, to the, to the etheric levels of enlightenment, then understand that you have the power to ask Gaia to fix this. You know, it doesn't have to be the Jinn, it doesn't have to be Walt, it doesn't have to be me. But we go through the story. You got to have a story. In 3D, you need some kind of a story to explain metaphysical events. And until we can get over that, well, then you got Walt and me and the Jinn and we tell stories, and we go on the radio, and hopefully we make somebody else go, well, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll start doing this too. And that's all we're trying to do, is to get you to use your imagination, to see the problems and don't duck from them like I did, and to tackle them. Um, I'm the first one to say that we're just here because of training. We were sent here to do this. We've been massively trained to be able to do this. He's a shamanic journeyer. I do remote viewing. I deal with, with all sorts of spiritual beings. The jinn are, are, and no dolly, the jinn are not bad people. They're wonderful people. They were just controlled like so many of us are controlled to do bad things. And um, they're free now. And at least with the gin free, we have uh, uh, the hope that humanity is uh, soon to awaken also and have the shackles of despair and fear taken away from them. Um, I don't know when we'll do it, but we will do it. And hopefully by the time we get there, we're going to say, oh, my goodness, you know. Uh, Barbara Three Crow has been here already, and it's all taken care of.
or, <laughs> or Dolly and Vanessa have been here, or uh, Mona and old ones, and Doc Who and Stephanie and so many of you others out there, uh, Linda Morse and, and, and her sister Barb. Uh, you know, everybody, you just gotta start taking the time to imagine what could be done, ask Gaia's permission, give Gaia permission to give you the, the, the power to be able to make these things change. Sooner or later we'll have the power and we won't even need Gaia, but I don't, I don't want to go there because I just like being subservient to Gaia because it's, it's like having this big mama that says, go out and play in the sandbox, it's safe. And you know it's safe because she said so, you know. And um, so anyway, that's that's that story. Next, we got twelve minutes. Next, well, this, we could do the same thing that uh, Pinky and Brain would do when Pinky would ask, "What are we going to do tonight, Brain?" The same thing we do every night: try and take over the world. <laughs> and we do and by the way the the reality dialer is still um still tweaking under the anti-terrorism oh anti-tyranny yeah it, it ne- it's never turned off it's just you know kirk and at walt sent me some um silver saturated shungite and you know i, I i'm taking out this this stuff from this box and i pull out this thing and I'm going like, oh, and no sooner do I look at it than I get, you gotta put it on the reality dialer, which I happen to be standing right next to. And I went, okay, where? And so there's now silver saturated shungite sitting on the witness of the radionics box. And, um, that should make things a little more exciting. <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, if we go back to what you explained in the very beginning that the more pieces of shungite you got, in proximity to each other, they're all vibrating and enhancing each other. Well, how many billions of particles are in that bag? <laughs> I know, I know. So, uh, and it's it's into plastic things. The plastic isn't even not it, it, the pla- You know, most many many things you put um, in plastic will be somewhat affected. You know, the energies. Yeah. But that was shungite. Shungite just blasts right through plastic. Yeah. It's not contained at all. So, um, so that's happening. Yeah, uh, as long as there, as long as there is any energy in whatever is on the other side of that plastic, it's gonna the shankite's gonna grab it. So now we, you know, uh, Dolly just got her earrings, <laughs> and um, apparently it, it, she's she's been wearing them and now she's feeling dizzy. Um, uh, it's, I, th- I agree with Walt. You're probably just recalibrating and, and if you can, just, um, try to go through it. You can take them off and put them on and take them off and put them on. Uh, you know, don't put yourself in any kind of de- feeling of, you know, uncomfort. Um, but the, the, the earring itself is, is like a pin. And then I make a loop on it and that loop goes into the, um, earring hoop. So I'm playing with these things and I go like, well, these are like little miniature, uh, energy things and I start playing with it and I'm altering the spiral and I'm going like, oh wow, because you got these beads on this, um, this pin, this wire and the wire is carrying the organ and, and inside of the, inside of these, these, uh, beads 
And so, and it's inside, uh, well, so anyway, I can see the energy that is flowing and I go, wow, I bet you if you put that into a, a resin pendant like we make, that would be an awesome energy field. So I make up 15 of these things in different, uh, beads and stuff and I send them to Walt and Walt puts them in the resin. So we've got these, um, energy devices that look like pendants, um, that have these little beads in them, but the beads are actually energy devices in and of themselves, and then they're in S4 silver-saturated shungite resin. So um, Walt sends me the package. I open up the package. I immediately got so stoned I couldn't even think straight. I didn't even I, I didn't even know what was in it. I said, I can't do this now because it was like, I don't know, late at night. And um, Walt, nobody can handle the energies. Well, you know, one of the things I, I forgot to mention in the past um, regarding the resin itself, you, you've seen how shungite seems to enhance itself whenever it's in contact with a metal, like, for example, the aluminum foil on the stickers or a magnet, or like when you put the magnet on the fridge, uh, the shungite loves the metal because since metals attract and move argon, the, the metal is actually helping the Shanghai and, you know, they're helping each other. It's a synergistic type of work. Well, the resin is not far away from that because even though the resin, you can put resin up to a magnet and it's not going to do anything. But part of the chemistry of the resin, what makes the resin hard the way it is, is because uh, in the chemistry they use cobalt and cobalt is a ferromagnetic metal. So there's a minute amount of cobalt in the resin. So I'm sure the Shanghai loves that because wherever there's a ferromagnetic substance, the Shanghai just uh, uses it and enhances the, the field. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that. But seriously, the, these things are so powerful that um, Stephanie, she's going like, am I supposed to take these with me? <laughs> yes, yeah, you're supposed to try to sell them to people. She says, well, I'm not going to take them all. She says, I can't take all these at once. And um, so I will be putting them up on the, on the store. Uh, they are energy devices. They're absolutely not jewelry. None of, none of our, our stuff is really jewelry. Um, like the, the pendants themselves, every time you wrap it with, uh, with wire, you create an energy device. It's just another way that Shungite, Shungite loves energy fields. It loves metal that it can try, that it can take the organ, boost it up to full power and travel it, and it loves magnets, and it mostly loves human thought. And um, so, yeah, so we've got those things going up. But again, these, don't buy these for some. Don't try to give this to somebody. <laughs> you know, if you're a real energy junkie, then buy it for yourself. Um, I'm wearing one. Uh, I I. I, well, when I, when I first put it on, it, I, I could not, I couldn't take the, the energy. It was just, and I'm going like, okay, I knew I was supposed to wear it, but I'm going like, right, what can I do to, what, and, and I see a gold chain hanging in front of me, and I said, okay, so I went and got a gold chain, and I put it on, and since I've got it on the gold chain, it just, um, it's lovely. I'm not having any problems with it at all. I had to take it off today because I'm not going to go out into public with a gold chain on. <laughs> not in this town. You know, I saw this uh, guy 
walking down the, he was crossing the street, right? And right in front of me, in the car in front of me, the guy in the passenger, uh, position, um, as the guy was walking by, he reached out the window and grabbed this guy's gold chain. You know, and he's holding the chain while the driver guns it, and the, the poor man, it was a good gold chain, got knocked down, but that guy never let go of that gold chain. And and it broke, and it, he had the gold chain, and the guy was on the street. Wow, so you live in Dutch city? Just about. Just about. <laughs> so, um, I, I know I wouldn't go out in, with anything on me that was worth anything. <laughs> hey, you know, they might want my... my Kind of crazy looking shungite thing on my wrist, the shung mag, which I love. I won't take that off either. <laughs> so, um, so there's the benefit of shungite. It looks, it doesn't look expensive. It looks cheaper. Well, you know, people. I had this one woman say, "Oh, I know what it was. She she bought a pendant, but it was one of the other pendants your mom had made, and it had a piece of shungite in it." And she says to me, "How can this one piece of shungite?" do anything and I had to explain to her that the pendant actually had S4 shungite in it because you would put in a little bit which was fine was enough but it um, most people weren't detecting it so then when you put the more shungite in it so you can actually see the shungite in it um, yeah more people are going to understand that it's not just plastic it looks like a plastic piece <laughs> You know, and then, oh yeah, we got the, 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 the uh, now we've got these new Shanghai dog pendants. Um, but because we haven't ever tested them really, I'm having Steffi, um, sell them because she's selling directly to the people. And what I get afraid of is that somebody might buy something from us and not, not appreciate it or think that it's crap or whatever, but they won't say anything to us. So, you know, please talk to us if you've got a problem with it. Because we'll give you your money back. We'll take it back. We'll refund you. We got, you know, I don't care when. It, we just want you to uh, to work with us. This is this is a an ongoing group experiment to find out, you know, all the things that. Um, so, that did you put the split rings on those dog pendants? I did. Oh, okay, so they were okay. The size of the of the eyelet was okay. For oh yeah, yeah. It was it was great. Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, so when Stephanie goes out and she talks to the people in her community, she tells them, if you got any problems, please tell us, because if we, if we don't hear from you, we don't know. So um, we're hoping that these are going to, um, because we've still had, I, I mean, I've had people, and we will replace these too, where um, the shungite disappears out of the, out of the, on dogs, disappears out of the wrap. And the wrap looks per 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 perfectly intact, but the shungite's gone. I had it happen to one of mine here. And you go, how the hell could the shungite have gotten out of there? Um, because, I mean, when I make these things, I, I pull them, I push them, I do everything I can to try to break them after I've made them. Because I figure if I can't break them, then the dog can't. And then I get a report, well, it's missing. <laughs> it's missing? Okay. <laughs> and if that happens to you, contact me. I will replace it. I, I, you know, we're we're not in this to make a whole mon lot of money. We want to make a living, but we don't want to. You know, we don't want you to 
have any kind of reason to find complaint with us. So you got any problem, you just let us know. We'll refund. I've never had, I've been saying this since the beginning. It's published on the website. I have never had anybody ask for a refund. I have had people um, come back to me and say, you know, there was a problem with the pet pendant. Um, and we repl- we will replace them. Uh, so, but, you know, her going out there, she knows that the people, if they've got a problem, they can let us know. So I tried to get her to, um, you know, bring things out into that public as a testing way. So we do have, um, we do have them coming, but it'll probably be after the holidays, unfortunately. Um, you can find us on cosmicreality.net. There is a button that'll take you directly to Walt's Shamanic Journeying. And if you want to get in touch with your spiritual guides, if you've got questions you really want to have the answered in a different way, Walt can do that for you. He's also will fix your computer if you need your computer fixed. Uh, on the website, you'll find the Cosmic Reality Shungite store. You'll find an enormous amount of information on Shungite that is, um, in our opinion, accurate. <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of not so accurate stuff out there. And for heaven's sakes, remember there is only one genuine Shungite source in the world and it's Karelia, Russia. If it doesn't come from Karelia, Russia, not the Ukraine, not Kakistan, not Canada, Canada is now representing Shungite. They've got Canadian Shungite. The only place I know in Canada that has any kind of a fullerene, and it's the fullerene that's the, the difference, Corellia Shungite has anywhere between 30 and, well, 35 and 60% in the raw. In the elite, it goes up to 90%. But the elite is so uh, solid that it doesn't get a real good vibration, so we don't recommend that. But... There's one uh, gold mine in Canada that I know of that's got fullerene traces. But it's like, you know, the Kakistan and the Ukraine, they've got 5% fullerene. That's not, that's not a lot of fullerene. Yes, one fullerene, in my opinion, will do all this. But do you have the nugget that's got the fullerene in it? <laughs> kind of a crapshoot. So um, you don't have to buy from us, but you should come to us to find information. Um, we do our darndest to, to keep that updated, and to be honest, there's so much more information coming up, I can't even get keep up with it. So, Okay, oh, uh, uh, go before ahead. you go, I went to the, your website, and I purposely did a word search on like the pamphlets and the stuff that you have out, and nowhere was I able to find the two words together uh Negative charge. On, I, never, I never said it. It's not. It's not in anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looked and looked and looked and where does it say that Shanghai has a strong negative charge? I don't know where this was coming from, but uh, I just wanted to. Uh, once now that I have a chance to talk to you, you know, are you are you sure this was never written anywhere? <laughs> because. After two years of doing this, this was the first time I was hearing this. Shanghai has a strong negative charge. I don't know where they got it. One of our customers said something about that. And, and Oh, and, ju- and just please, we have never told anybody to take their phone apart and put or their laptop apart and put a Shungite sticker on a battery. We have never said this. You do not do that. You just have to take, uh, this is the other thing, is that you take, you don't take the white st- 
sticker that's circular. That's not where the shungite is. The shungite is on the bottom of the aluminum. So you just take the aluminum label and you pull it off the blue backing. When you do that, on the out underside of that, there is a clear plastic protector for the shungite. The shungite's fairly abrasive. We've had people do some weird things with these stickers, Walt. <laughs> you know, so I have redone the insert in the bag to make it more... Uh, I've got a different picture. I'm trying to make it so that it's obvious because there's too many, too many people have been making the mistake. When, when Steph's out there, she shows them how to do it, no mistake. But she got a call today and I happen, happened to, um, have been there. She, she, it was a text message and she read it to me. And this woman was having the problem of not knowing how to take the, the label off and, and you don't, put it on a battery, you just put it on the top of your laptop, you put it on the top of your phone, or if you've got a covering, like the leather ones, the plastic ones, all you have to do is cut that label with the backing, cut it, and then slip it under your um, under your cover of the phone. But it's, uh, I mean, I, I gave uh, stickers to people, I went to a meeting recently, and I gave and I showed people with a pendulum before and after how all the phones had a negative spin, and with a pe- with a sticker on, the phones went positive. But uh, the people that had cases, it was very straightforward. She just took up the case. I put the sticker on the inside surface of the case, and then just put the phone back in the case. There's no need to cut anything. I I don't know why it, it would be why would you would need to cut anything at all. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. You, you, you took the sticker and you stuck it to the inside of the cover. Oh, you know the the phones sit inside a case, and right. the case just leaves the face of the phone exposed, and it just grabs the phone all around the right. perimeter of the phone. So the the person took the phone out of the case. I put the sticker on the inside surface of the case, and then the person just put the phone inside the case again. So, so stick- that the aluminum was facing the, the, the phone? Yeah. I'm still go. That's the same way that I have it with my mom's phone, because she's got one of these phones where the, the rear surface of the plastic, instead of being nice and flat, it's like a fluted, like a rib kind of structure. So the, the sticker doesn't want to stick to it because you don't have a flat surface. It's all the ridges, is the top of the ridges. So since the phone has a case, I put the sticker on the inside surface of the case and then she puts the phone inside. And so the, the, aluminum, the aluminum is not acting like a parabolic mirror anymore. Well, that's the thing, is that the, uh, the Shanghai energy spin is on both sides of the aluminum. The aluminum it filters nothing. It blocks nothing at all. And the phone doesn't, uh, because her phone was the first time that I experienced, uh, because mine is, I use it so, it's so small and I use it so sparely. I never had that experience of the form, the phone warming up, but she's got one of these screen phones, you know, with the touch screen and all the different doodles and, and functions and everything. In her phone, I was able to confirm what many people report that after using the form, phone for a number of minutes, the phones get warm, noticeably warm, but when I put the sticker inside on on the inner surface of the case, and she continues to use the phone, the phone doesn't get warm, and the battery lasts a really long time, when she loses track of when she charged it last, 
Okay, what I tell them to do is to, you know, we, we sell them as three, three labels. So I tell them, cut off the, the label. In other words, cut it, just cut one of those off with the backing and everything. Then you can just slide it underneath the, um, now we're not talking about the inside of the, don't touch the phone. It's the, the plastic protector <laughs> that, that you just slide it in underneath that. So that if you buy a new phone and you get a new, uh, cover, you, you just, it's still there. It's still not been stuck to anything. It's still on its backing and you just slide it under the next one. Um, in my, in the case of my mom's phone, buying the case was not even a luxury. It was actually a necessity because I don't know what kind of plastic the phone is made of. It's almost like it's wet soap. You have it in your hand and you're trying to do something and it just flies off of your hand. It's so slippery. The case is made of a rubber-like material which actually gives you a grip. Uh, in fact, when I gave the, the stickers to the people this, uh, this past Saturday, that was the reason most of them had cases because the phones were so slippery. Uh, it's, it's uncomfortable. It kind of flies off your hand if you don't watch what you're doing or if you're doing two things at once. So most of the time that's why people get cases because they give you a better grip on the phone. Talk about, you know, built-in obsolescence. <laughs> it's so slippery that they'll just keep breaking them because they fly out of their hands. They fly out of your hands. So I guess that's, that's a, that's a well thought out design, you know, make it make, well, I don't know about you, but, uh, in the cars that I've had so far, whenever I get the car, that's the first thing I do. I go down to the auto parts shop and I buy that, that, uh, steering wheel cover because the factory wheel cover is the, the factory material on the steering wheel. It's so slippery. It's like you have a hard time. When I, when I bought my brand new Subaru back in 87, the the steering wheel material was thin. It wasn't nice and thick. And it was made of a plastic that it was like Teflon. The steering wheel would literally fly off my hands when I'm when I'm trying to make a turn. So after a couple of hard turns I, I thought, you know, this is a, this is stupid and annoying. I went to the auto parts place, bought the cover, slipped it on, and that was it. Never had any issues with steering the vehicle again. Huh. So, so it's way, almost like <laughs> we're way over time now. Um, Colleen, are you there? Are you are you awake, hon? I'm here. And you're coming up with um, is it Haggy now? Haggy reads for you. Haggy reads for you, and it's the link by A. R. Borden. And then after that, we'll be say what with guest Dolly Howard on angels and snakes. Angels and snakes. If you guys, if you haven't heard this, you should at least listen to the last hour. It's one of the great snake stories of all times. <laughs> I, I, Sounds I, like I, a Texas recipe. Oh, you'll love it. Well, you should you should hear the last hour of it because it. Well, I mean, I don't even remember what we talked about in the first hour, but the last hour is unforgettable. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dolly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank uh, you everyone Radio. for joining us tonight. Huh? Thank you everyone for joining us tonight. Yes, and Wolf Spirit Radio is, um, you know, we, we the only money we take in is the money that you donate to us or that you uh, put in for membership to be able to listen to our archives. Our website is cosmicreality.net. You can get to uh, Walt uh, independently by going to newparadigmtools.net. And Colleen has HaggyShack.com. And Haggy is spelled with two G's and one I-E. 
Hagi Shack. Um, you can also listen to, to her. She's, she's on 24-7, seven days a week. If you don't like what's happening over here in Wolf Spirit, you might like what's over there. Um, she get, does the producing on Wolf Spirit, uh, simulcast to Wolf Spirit, uh, what is it, three or four days a week, and JP takes care of the rest of it. So, you know, it's all, it's a, it's a family. It's a family of um, people just trying to get the truth out. And as Dave likes to say, are you ready to learn the truth? <laughs> Love you guys. See you next week. Good night. Great Good show. Night. Love you guys, too. Be safe. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Explanations for the nation overstanding the impression if they listen. Teaching, preaching, the unknown, unknown. Teaching, preaching, the unknown, unknown, unknown. Yeah.